At Mer Marche, slow living is at the heart of our brand philosophy. Our products and offerings are designed to create moments of pause, allowing individuals to connect with themselves and their surroundings, fostering a sense of harmony and well-being. Our prayer is that by honoring people and the planet through our brand efforts, we will inspire others to embrace whole beauty and commune with nature. We invite all of our listeners to enjoy 15% off Mermarche's entire product line with code Mermarche Podcast at Mermarche.com. Hello and welcome to the Mermarche Podcast. Today's guest is Annie Heatley. She is an avid student of German New Medicine. Hi, Annie. Hello, Christy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It means so much. I just love everything you've told me about German New Medicine, and I'm so excited for others to hear about it. Um, Before we get into all of that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is a lot. (laughs) There is a lot. um, I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself so Mm -hmm. everyone can get to know you. Okay. Well, by... Training and education, I'm a marriage and family therapist. Um, I'm not practicing right now. Eight years ago is when I stopped practicing. That's when my daughter was born. And since then, I've been a full-time mom. And I'm a full-time mom to my daughter. And my my daughter's eight. And my son is five. And we homeschool. So I am <laughs> really immersed in that in this mm-hmm. phase of life. Um, but whenever I have extra time. I am very passionate about learning anything and everything I can about German New Medicine. So how did you find German New Medicine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I found it. It found me. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was a long journey. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 40 now. And when I was in my late 20s, I began to not feel the way that I used to. Mm. I would say as a child, I was always very healthy and resilient, excuse me. And all the things that I kind of dealt with health-wise as a child were pretty typical Mm -hmm. um, and acute and short-lived, right? The the flu or a cold or something like that. But in my late 20s, I began to have some chronic symptoms. So things that were not short-lived, but things that were kind of coming up time and time again. And I would say some of the, some of the biggest things that were presenting themselves were blood sugar issues. Mm. So I found myself on pretty frequently like a blood sugar roller coaster hmm. and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so that was a pretty keynote in my late 20s. Um, but then I was married, had my first child, and um, there was a lot that kind of I think came from the birth experience as well, but my health sort of progressed with more chronic symptoms. So Mm. digestive issues, um, chronic fatigue, um, so many sort of unexplained things were coming up for me. And I would say I probably spent the last, you know, decade trying Mm. to figure it out, trying to figure out, um, you know, why this was happening. Mm -hmm. And I think like so many people, I started off in the conventional medical world, right? Seeking answers there. And the answers and the solutions I were given were like, here's the Effexor and here's the Ativan and you seem fine and we're not Mm -hmm. quite sure. Mm -hmm. And so that was pretty disempowering. 
Yeah. And I also, with the blood sugar issue stuff, had some like worry about, you know, my heart and heart palpitations because that's a common symptom that can kind of come from that. And so I was, you know, doing stress tests and wearing a halter monitor and, you know, trying to get to the bottom of things. Um, And then I think I started to realize that I wasn't going to get what I needed there, like Mm -hmm. so many people. And I went to the integrative health world. Okay. And, you know, in many ways that felt much more empowering because the toolbox is so big. Right. And it was like, okay, we're going to hold your hand until we figure out what this is all about. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started to really get into um, diet, nutrition, supplements, and just living clean. But I would say over the last know six seven years I feel like I kind of tried it all yeah it was like clean eating and then it was I'm doing the celery juicing and (laughs) you know all of the things all the things all the things I think I went on the bean diet at one point I mean that's (laughs) like a thing you can like eat beans all day long and try to heal yourself um vegan Mm plant-based then it was strict carnivore and intermittent fasting and then it was pro-metabolic. I mean, there was just so many different iterations yeah. of orthorexia, really, which was like this really rigid eating and thinking that like, mm. if I could just, if I could just get it right, if Ugh, I could just yeah. figure out the magic diet, you know, is it the gluten? Is it the dairy? Is it the pesticide? You know, what is it, you know, that I could, I could feel different. I could feel better. I could have the you know, I could get off the blood sugar roller coaster. I could have the energy that I wanted to have as a mom. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I just never got any lasting symptom relief. It just sort of, I think there'd be like a brief period of time where I'd feel better. Yeah. And looking back, I think that had a lot to do with placebo effects. Uh Um, Feeling like this is the thing now, I'm on the right path. And Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm feeling good for a little bit. Um, But ultimately everything would resurface. Mm. And so I was a couple years ago um, in a pretty disillusioned place and wondering like, okay, what else can I do? I mean, and in, in addition to the nutritional piece of it, I mean, it was like, okay, how can I deal with the mold in my house? And mm-hmm. how can I um, deal with the, you know, EMF exposure? I had all the like harmonizing devices in my house. How can I mm-hmm. do more sauna, more light therapy, more PEMF, like just coffee enemas, like you name it. I was trying it all. Ozone therapy, um, IV, NAD, you know, I mean, it just all the things, all the things, all the things. I think so many people can relate to that. Yeah. I had my root canal taken out. I'm like, that's the thing. That's the Uh thing that's making me sick. I'm going to get that taken out. I'm going to feel different. Mm. Um, you know, the breast implant illness world. That's like another yes, rabbit hole. Yes. And so I'm like, if I just get those taken out, that's going to be the thing, you know? Hmm. Um, so it was a pretty hopeless place. <laughs> and yeah. I think really what happened was <clears throat> I was at a place where I had tried it all mm-hmm. and I was ready to receive the wisdom of hmm. German new medicine. So I mean, I was just sitting in my car one day. <laughs> I was waiting for my daughter who was finishing a dance class. And I was listening to a podcast and there was a woman on there and she was talking about Dr. Hammer. And they were talking about, I can't remember specifically, but something about, you know, healing this cancer 
that a mm-hmm. child was dealing with because they were realizing that this child was carrying around what they were referring to as a conflict shock hmm. that was, you know, in the healing phase. And all they had to do was sort of get him out of this, um, get him away from the tracks and the triggers that were perpetuating this hanging healing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is a hanging healing? What are these tracks and triggers? What is, what are we talking about here? But something in me said, okay, there is wisdom here that I need to explore. Mm-hmm. And then I just went down the rabbit hole <laughs> and that was it. Um, for me, it wasn't like the missing piece. It uh-huh. was the missing paradigm. Yeah. All it's a paradigm us, shift. Yeah, it's a complete paradigm Completely, shift, right? Yes. It's not like, oh, here's a therapy or a modality right. that I'm going to integrate now into my wellness protocol. It's yeah. a completely new way of looking at the body, looking mm-hmm. at our biology, um, and understanding the root, 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 root cause <laughs> of disease processes in yes. the body, you know. Yes. I love how you say disease because when you start to look at it, even in just that breakup mm-hmm. of the word, yeah. it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. And disharmony. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yes. It just instantly makes so much sense. And I am very similar to you. I feel like all of my adult life I've been searching and like Mm -hmm. had an ailment and like okay what do I need to change and I would I would change it but then it would always resurface or like gut issues and stuff like that you know um and yeah I've also tried like all the supplements and as much as I love Mm -hmm. you know just being very conscious about my life and what I'm consuming, it just never felt like enough or yeah. something else would happen. There was something like else to discover too. Thrown yeah. off. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just, when you introduced me to it mm-hmm. about six months ago, I was like, this makes so much sense yeah. because, you know, so much of when you go visit, even like convention medicine, it's like, oh, are you stressed or Mm -hmm. what's going on? Mm -hmm. And which makes sense, but there was never more. You know, we were talking earlier, like it kind of just stops there. Mm -hmm. And this is like actually explaining it so much and um, even a scientific way, Mm -hmm. um, how the mind and body connect. And so you you mentioned Dr. Homer. Mm -hmm. So he was the founder of... Yes. Okay, so he was the founder. Can you tell us a little bit about him? Absolutely. I think... I think his story is an important story mm-hmm. because he was very much in the conventional medicine world. And I think that when we tell his story, it's worthwhile because it is the conventional med- medical world that are going to be the first to dismiss it, right? Yeah, sure. And so this was not a man that was looking to create a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Um He was not a woo-woo mystical being (laughs) looking to sort of change everybody's perception of disease. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that either. There's a lot of wisdom that we can gain from so many people. But the reality was he was just a German physician. Mm -hmm. Um, His full name is uh, Reiki Geerd Hammer. And he was, it was in the 1950s that he was practicing medicine in Germany. And he had a degree in theology, a degree in radiology, and ultimately went to medical school at the University of Tübingen, I believe it's pronounced. Um, It's a well-known university town in Germany. Okay. And um, he was a, you know, 
traditional practicing internist. Um, he oversaw the care of many cancer patients. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a brilliant inventor. He developed the Hammer scalpel, mm-hmm. which is a non-traumatic um, scalpel that could be used in plastic surgery because it created minimal bleeding. Um, and then he also created the um, a particular bone saw. And from these inventions, he had patents. Mm-hmm. And so he was able to make you know, good money mm-hmm. with these patents. And it was his dream to make enough money to no longer have to work for money. And he wanted to open a free clinic, a mm-hmm. surgery center for the poor. So he, um, along with his wife, who was also a physician, uh, and their four children, they moved to Italy where they were going to open this um, free surgery center mm-hmm. for um, the poor community. And shortly after they moved there, he had a very traumatic event occur. So at the time, his son, Dirk, was only 16 years old, and he was sleeping on it. It's a very bizarre story, mm-hmm. but he was sleeping on a boat in Corsica. Mm-hmm. And somehow this stray bullet that came from a crown prince, (laughs) I mean, it's so bizarre, but there was a stray bullet that hit him and wounded him in his sleep. Oh, wow. And so he ended up in the hospital, um, critically wounded. And for about three months, I think he underwent many, many surgeries to try to save his life. And ultimately, he died in Dr. Hammer's arms. So very, very tragic. I mean, he was only 16. Yeah. So at that time, um, about three months later, this was in 1978, by the way, just to give you some context about when this all started to come to light. Mm -hmm. So Dirk passed in 1978. And about three months later, after that loss, Dr. Hammer was diagnosed with a testicular tumor, testicular cancer. Wow. And he had the a wisdom and enough curiosity to ask a very, very important question. And that question is, why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why, as a healthy, robust, resilient man, do I have this cancer now? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, he was an avid swimmer. If you've ever seen a picture or a video of him, he's very tall and strong. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's been healthy his whole life. And he just knew that there was a relationship between this incredible loss Mm -hmm. and this illness he was now faced with. Wow. So he gets through his cancer experience. Um, He undergoes surgery and he never did chemo and radiation. And something about that that's kind of interesting, (laughs) interesting to note is that it's been told that less than 10% of physicians who oversee the care of cancer patients actually undergo conventional treatment. What? Yeah, that tells us a little bit about the path that we're on here. Wow. The way that we're approaching, you know, caring for these patients. So anyway, he gets through that and... Because he, at the time, was head internist at the University of Munich, he had access to not only patients, but, I mean, hundreds upon thousands of patient records. Mm -hmm. And he started to uncover an incredible pattern. And this pattern, basically, was that for every cancer diagnosis, 
when he interviewed these patients and he looked through their records, they were all these diagnoses were preceded by an incredible, either you know, distressing traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And that just was mind blowing. And then he started to realize there was an even deeper pattern and that there was a particular type of distressing event that led to a particular type of cancer. Hmm. And then (laughs) it went even deeper. And then he started to analyze the CT scans of these patients. And he realized that there was a particular type of distressing event and there was a particular type of cancer that was diagnosed and there was a particular location that corresponded to both of those that could be seen in the brains of these patients through CT scan. Hmm. And wow. he knew and 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 we know through the study of embryology that for every tissue layer, every embryonic germ layer in the body, there's three of them. Um that they they are controlled by particular brain regions. For example, like the endoderm, right, is mm-hmm. controlled by the brain stem and the midbrain. And there's three embryologic um, germ layers. And it's the endoderm, which is the inner germ layer. We have the ectoderm, which is the exterior germ layer. And this gets a little, I know we're getting no, into like so to the good. weeds of GNM. This is why you're here. Um, you can go as deep really as you yeah. want to. Um, and then we have the mesoderm, which is split up into two, the old mesoderm and the new mesoderm, and that is the middle germ layer. And so mm-hmm. a few weeks after conception, we are a group grouping of tissue cells. Blast, uh, we are a blastocyte, mm-hmm. and then we develop into these three germ layers. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of gestation, we are a human. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but these germ layers all have a corresponding you know, brain region that controls their function. Mm-hmm. So that we already knew, but w- w- what we didn't know was that there was a particular type of conflict shock, psyche, brain, organ relationship. Mm. And that's what Dr. Homer's gift has been to mm. us. And I don't really call it a discovery as much as it's a rediscovery, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is really the truth of our, the long lost <laughs> yeah. uh, truth of our biology mm. that he sort of uncovered and this really um formed the basis of the first biological law so what he formulated was german new medicine is based on the five biological laws and the first one is the what we call the iron rule of cancer and the the bottom you know the essence of that is that there is this psyche brain organ connection Mm -hmm. and for every cancer or cancer equivalent there is a conflict shock which is what, you know, this is, this is his language. This is the language that we use to describe this sort of acute distressing event that occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a traumatic event can be a conflict shock, but a conflict shock doesn't have to be a traumatic event, if that makes yeah. sense. I was, I was reading somewhere that it's like everyone perceives things differently. Mm-hmm. So what right. seems minor maybe to a parent or, you know, someone could be huge for a child yes. or what how one sibling might respond the other could respond totally different mm-hmm. which makes so much sense right and we can use Dr. Homer's situation for example as a bit of a case study uh-huh. right so here he was with this incredible loss experience which was undoubtedly what we would call in German new medicine a conflict shock mm-hmm. 
And once he went into the healing phase of that, not that he was not still grief stricken, Mm -hmm. but the acuteness of that situation had resolved with his son passing. Mm -hmm. You know, biologically, that was the resolution to that conflict. And so his body went and ran a special biological program on his behalf. Mm -hmm. And so in the conflict active phase, he had um, tissue loss in his testicle. And then in the healing phase, he has tissue restoration. And so it's all for our adaptation. It's all for our survival. So what happens is in the conflict active phase, here he is having this tissue loss. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, you're having tissue loss in the conflict active phase. This is not the time to be going out and procreating and making new babies. We have to be dealing with the conflict at hand. There's Mm -hmm. too much conflict. We're not meant to be reproducing at this time. Yeah. Right. But then once that conflict resolved, the biological adaptation is, okay, now it's time to go make a new offspring Mm -hmm. because that is what our biology is concerned with it Mm -hmm. is concerned with our survival it's concerned with reproduction it's concerned with the tribe continuing to exist Hmm. and so what happens when he has this cell restoration in his testicle he has increased um, testosterone increased sperm all for the purposes of creating new offspring. Mm -hmm. So it's this incredibly beautiful adaptation. Yeah. But we've sort of, well, not sort of, we have inverted it in the Western medical paradigm Mm -hmm. because he was healing. Mm-hmm. Yes, he was healing. What yes. we call that cancer, what we call that tumor, what we call sickness or disease, was his healing phase, and mm-hmm. it was his biological, his body's biological solution. Yeah, to what he had been dealt in life. Yeah, and yeah. one thing that you um, remind me of a lot too is when we are facing that healing phase and we are mm-hmm. having those symptoms. It, it's, it can be fearful and we mm-hmm. start to fight the symptoms yeah. and create this story to ourselves that our body is against us. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a firm believer and nothing is made by mistake mm-hmm. and our bodies are made to heal mm-hmm. and created to survive. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was a paradigm shift for me in the fact of like, okay, when I'm experiencing a symptom, it doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't yeah. have to be me, my body, my brain against my body right. or anything like that. And, um, that was just, yeah, a huge shift for me mm-hmm. in my mindset. And you just described the fifth biological law, <laughs> okay. which is everything in nature is meaningful. Yeah. Which that, that's in it, that <laughs> itself is beautiful. Right. <laughs> right. There is no mistakes. Yeah. Our mm-hmm. biology does not make mistakes. Our nature does not make mistakes. Yeah. And every, every dis-ease process that our body experiences is this special biological program of mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. that is here to assist us yeah. with survival. Yeah. For our highest good. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so it is a complete paradigm shift then to embrace the healing phase. 
Yeah. As, as much as it cannot feel good, right? Dr. Right. Hammer, right? He had this, I'm sure, oh my burning, gosh. painful, swollen testicle. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Um, it doesn't mean healing yourself. always feels good. <laughs> my body is healing. My body yes. is healing. Yes. Yeah. So would you share with us maybe some personal experiences you've mm-hmm. had? Sure. So how many years would you say you've been truly practicing this, you know, like believing and using yeah. this every day in your life? I would say... Um, it's been about two and a half years since I learned GNM. Okay. And it's just been a gradual process of embodying the knowledge. Yeah. Um, not only studying it, but studying it in myself. Mm-hmm. Because that's how it sort of organically, you know, unravels. Yeah. So you're, you know, we're lear- I'm learning about GNM and then I'm like, okay, well, then what about this blood sugar issue? Mm-hmm. What about this chronic fatigue? What sure. is what is a GNM teaching me about yeah. what that all means? And so I learned through GNM that my blood sugar, my hypoglycemia, was a consequence of a fear and disgust conflict or a female um, something that I found revolting. And for the male perception, it would be like a resistance conflict. Hmm. So a female is often disgusted Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a male is often resistant. Mm -hmm. And this just has to do with how men and women perceive situations differently, biologically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was an invitation. It was Mm -hmm. like, okay, what in my life am I having a lot of fear around? What Mm -hmm. in my life am I having a lot of kind of disgust around that Mm -hmm. I'm experiencing on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And this is a biological adaptation that affects the pancreas, the pancreas ducts, um, specifically the, sorry, I'm kind of getting into the weeds again. No, it's good. Um, But the beta and alpha islet cells control the regulation of blood sugar. They either increase it or decrease it. So for me, the biological adaptation to something that I was afraid of or disgusted of would be to drop my blood sugar, create a hypoglycemic situation so that I would faint. (laughs) And because I'm not biologically, I'm not a man, I'm not here to fight it. Mm. I'm here to faint (laughs) and hope that whatever is disgusting and scary will leave me alone. Hmm. So we see this in nature, right? The animal will sort of fawn and faint Mm -hmm. hoping the predator will just sort of get bored and go away Hmm. and this happens quite a bit yeah and so then they kind of shake it off (laughs) after the lion is gone and Uh you know shake it off and then bounce right on so um that's what my body was doing on my behalf and so Mm -hmm. i would go into these like blood sugar dips and then in the healing phase so that would be the conflict active Mm -hmm. and then, then the healing phase of that my blood sugar would normalize but then and this is the, we learn this through the second biological laws, which is the two phases of how this, these programs work. We have a conflict active phase, and then we have a healing phase. Okay. And so the conflict active phase is just how it sounds. It's when you're in the conflict. This thing is happening to you. Your autonomic nervous system is so stuck in sympathetic, active fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And then the, conf- the conflict is resolved, and you go into the healing phase. And in the healing phase, there's three parts. There's healing phase A, and then there's an epicrisis, which is a peak of healing. That's usually when we feel the worst. Hmm. And then we go into, it's sort of, we get over the epicrisis, that peak, and Mm -hmm. then we go into healing phase B. That's so interesting because I can think of so many times where I've been in healing and it's Mm -hmm. like, 
the third day is the worst. Or, (laughs) you know, like you have this mindset of like, okay, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yes. So, and it does. And in that peak healing, that epi crisis, as we call it in GNM, um, of a hypoglycemic, you know, a beta Mm -hmm. islet cell healing program, there is another blood sugar dip that can get pretty acute. Mm. So what would happen is I would wake up in the middle of the night just, you know, feeling like I was going to faint, being Mm. very dizzy, rapid heartbeat. And if I didn't get to the kitchen immediately and eat something and, you know, lift my blood sugar back up, it was going to get pretty dire. Yeah. So um, I had to take a serious look Mm. at what I was having a lot of fear and disgust around in my life. And that ended up being not only... um, my own relationship to alcohol, Mm -hmm. but the relationship to alcohol of those that were in my immediate, you know, space, life, energy. Wow. (laughs) And it was really time to make some changes. Hmm. And I did, you know, a lot of people that I spent a lot of time with, um, two years ago, I don't, I don't anymore. Mm -hmm. I had to, get honest mm-hmm. <laughs> about what needed to change. And in GNM, we learned that there are two ways to resolve a conflict. There is a, well, three kind of, but there is a practical, um, a practical change that we can implement. Or sometimes there's a circumstantial change, like, you know, you had a job and then you lost the job. So, well, whatever conflict was active there is is over now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or there's a transcendent and perception change. And ideally, we're going to implement both if we can. Mm-hmm. And so I had to do the practical change, which means I am no longer using alcohol in this way. I am no longer tolerating alcohol use around me in this way because now I don't have to be afraid and disgusted mm-hmm. by what was going on around me. Mm-hmm. And then I had to work on my perception changes, right? Am I a victim of this? Do I have choice in this? You know, how am I empowered here? How can I resource myself with thinking Mm -hmm. that is going to be helpful Mm -hmm. to me? So I would say, um, when I really started to do that work and I really started to set boundaries with other people in my life, I went through a very intense healing phase. Um, and that took, it took quite a few months. And I would say though, this last year, I don't have any more of those acute Hmm. situations. I don't wake up in the middle of the night feeling like I have to run to the refrigerator, um, and get something or Mm -hmm. I'm going to faint or pass out. I don't have, it's just not present anymore. Wow. So something that I dealt with for a very long time is mostly resolved. I would say it's not a hundred percent resolved because The conflict is only resolved completely when it can't happen again. Hmm. But it could happen again. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, I could start using alcohol in a way that is dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. I could be around people again that are drinking in a way that makes that triggers me. Mm-hmm. That's a track. And it is a track for me. When I'm around people and they are changing and they're acting yeah. in a certain way, it's definitely a track for me. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So. And... In your family's life, you know, Mm -hmm. you personally and then your children, Mm -hmm. how has it affected um, how you parent, how you Mm -hmm. take care of them through sickness, Mm -hmm. all of those things? What have you seen in your own kids? Yeah. In that way. I mean, it, 
this knowledge has informed everything yeah that I do mm-hmm. really because there's so much overlap now um just in the way that I parent the way that I educate I mean it really has transformed our life in a really profound way I mean all the years that I spent afraid of my environment <laughs> afraid yeah. of my body afraid yeah. of our water food and air systems you know feeling mm-hmm very much stuck in victim consciousness yes. around the world we were That's living in. That's a great in. way to put it. Yeah. I, I definitely transferred those conflicts onto them. Mm. Um, and I drove my husband crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I drove my family crazy. It was like, oh, we, we don't eat this anymore and we don't do that anymore. And now we have to do this. And by the way, we're going to have to get the second mold test. And yeah, you know, it's a slippery slope, slope yes, right? Slippery Once slope. you start, yes. it's just... It's like you hear, oh, this is good for you. This is bad for you. And then it's different. And mm-hmm. then the next year it's different. And yes. it's like, it's so overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. And it instills so much fear, especially as a mother, mm-hmm. you know, when you're raising babies and yeah. we're just trying to do the right thing oh for gosh. them. Yeah. And every time a symptom would come up, you know, it would be like, okay, we have to go to our holistic pediatrician and we have mm-hmm. to go to a chiropractor and we have to figure this out and we have to get you on the right supplements and we have to do your... GI testing and we have to do all these labs and we have to figure it out and sure um and there's a specialist for everything and what is the (laughs) message that we're sending them yeah when we're doing that which is this early conditioning that we've sort of all received to outsource our health to the professional Mm -hmm. right it's sure somebody else knows me better than me yeah and when we have the knowledge of the five biological laws, we become empowered. Mm. We are self-healers. Mm-hmm. You know, we can trust our bodies. We don't have to be afraid of our bodies. And yeah. so sort of walking that back <laughs> with uh-huh. my children has been, yeah, it's, it's been a process. Yeah, It's been much easier for my son because he's only five. So what he actually remembers more than anything is genome. Which is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. I think I said one time, I was like, well, I'll just tell, we can't go because he was in a healing phase. And I'll just let them know that you're sick. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I am not sick. <laughs> I am I am healing, mom. <laughs> he was like, what is this, even this language that you're talking about? Yeah, right. Sure. But with my daughter, you know, when she was dealing with a lot of things from, from birth, territorial yeah. anger, GERD, you know, spitting up, all sorts of things. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we were with practitioners quite a bit. Yeah. And so when she doesn't feel good, she's still like, oh, I think I need to go to the doctor, uh-huh. you know. And sure. so it's it's still there, yeah. you know. And I do honor that, by the way. Yeah. Um, I always say when you're introducing GNM to your family to go slow. Yes. You don't yes. want to shock anybody. You don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. You don't want to suggest that, like, we now do nothing, that this is a do nothing paradigm because it's actually not a do nothing paradigm. It okay. is 80% of the time you probably don't need to do much, but yeah. there is that 20% of the time where sometimes having another pair of eyes on you, having support, not feeling isolated and mm-hmm. the symptom is part of the resolution too. Yeah. Especially as a parent, cause it can be scary to think, okay, how alarming, you know, yeah. you, your mentality yeah. too yeah. is just to go into action mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I have a story when you introduced it to me, like 
I think this summer mm-hmm. or when, when we first like started talking about it, it was this summer and not long after that, my son, um, we had had family in town mm-hmm. and he is very much like a social person, loves having people around, but is a deep feeler. So mm-hmm. I, I'm always expecting to just have to go through this transition phase with him when people leave, especially family and people he just loves so dearly. And we were also about to start something new. We were about to start the pod and he was excited about that um, and had already met, you know, kids and stuff there. So he was excited, but he was still, you know, working through just the separation of family. And so the week we started the pod, he broke out in an extreme case of psoriasis, Mm -hmm. which he had never had. He's seven years old. We'd never had, I mean, I'll never forget when my husband was like helping him bathe and he's like, uh, babe, you come look at this. And I was like, I have no idea what this is. I've never seen it so extreme before. And of course, like just fear just overcame me. And then like, what did I miss? What happened? Like Mm -hmm. all these thoughts. And, um, I saw you not too long after and I was like, okay, Annie, explain this to me in GNM terms because I'm very like nervous, but you, you know, you can tell your Mm -hmm. side of it because you explain it so beautifully, but that separation conflict and Mm -hmm. how it resolved itself. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just told me like, keep telling him this Mm -hmm. is wonderful. Your body is healing itself because yeah, as a parent naturally you want to be like, maybe we need to take, you want to say all of this outwardly Mm -hmm. and they're like pulling all that in and that fear is starting to follow our lead. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is a good thing. Your body is not against you. Cause he would look in the mirror and just, you know, be like, oh, I look so weird and yeah. just feel it and mm-hmm. know that something was not right. And it was just trying to change his mind shift. And meanwhile, I'm changing mine, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, let's see, we're going to do this together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it healed on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, we supported it through some herbs and things just yeah, to help with the, absolutely. with the, um, symptoms and the way that it felt for him. Right. But as long as we didn't take this, like we're fighting this approach, he just moved right through it. Mm-hmm. And before he knew it, he woke up and he was like, Oh, it's gone. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where integrative medicine comes in. Yeah, right. Exactly. It doesn't mean we have to like throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yes. Right? Yes. And, and, and Western medicine, at times also. Yes. But it's about knowing when to intervene. Yeah. And when we can learn about the phases of healing mm-hmm. and we can anticipate what's coming. Yeah. Then we can be like, okay, at what point mm-hmm. should I intervene? At what point do I put the cream on it? Yes. <laughs> at what point do I need to sort of like slow down the healing? Yes. Um, because whatever interventions we choose it's usually going to amplify whatever phase we're in Mm. so you can sort of amplify your conflict active phase Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can amplify your phase a your epi crisis or your Mm -hmm. phase b okay so we can bring it all in together yeah but when we actually learn about what's going on during these special biological programs we know when it's appropriate and Mm -hmm. oftentimes what happens is we intervene too soon Mm. And then we get stuck mm-hmm. in hanging healing yeah. because when we come in too soon and we interrupt the healing, the body is going to try to pick up where it left off eventually. Yeah. And so we get yeah. into this spiral sometimes. Mm. Yeah. feels like kind of like an 80, 20, like yeah. 80, you know, working yes. through the root cause Yes. and 20, like using those things that help. And like, sometimes it's energetics too yeah. of like, yeah. <laughs> 
I'm helping and I'm putting good thoughts and energy and working towards my own healing and taking, um, even things of the earth and it's, Mm -hmm. it all feels helpful. Yeah. You want to feel supported in your healing phase. This idea that I'm a self healer and I take a do nothing approach. Well, yeah, you're going to do a lot less than you used to with Mm G&M. That's for sure. sure. But everybody feels supported, nourished, taken care of in so many different ways. You know, what does that look like for you? What does Mm -hmm. that look like for me? What does that look like for our children? Yeah. You know, it's deeply subjective, Mm -hmm. just like conflict shocks are deeply subjective, right? Yeah. You and I could experience something together. I'm probably going to have one adaptation and you're going to have another adaptation. We're going to end up with two different symptoms. Unless, you know, we... It was sort of interesting because there's a man in the GNM world and he says the more homogenized a group is, the more likely they are to have similar symptom expression. Okay, so is that how you would explain like, okay, a family, one person gets sick and mm. then it just kind of like clockwork yeah. follows suit? Well, a few things are happening there. So first the question is, who experienced what together? Uh-huh. Right. So you're with your kids a lot. Yeah. There's a good chance that you and your children have a collective experience, mm. you know, yeah, often mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So if there's a shock, there's a good chance you all experience some part of that. Sure. You know, my husband works full time. He's not with us as much, you know, and so it's not uncommon for my kids and I to experience something and he doesn't, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't there. I've seen that this year more too, being more aware. Yeah. Like my husband will get things that none of the three of us don't yeah, get. Exactly. And then I'm like deep diving. I'm like, yeah. what made you angry at work last week? Yeah. <laughs> like, what did you experience? You yes. know, and he's, you know, he's receiving it well, yeah. but, and it wasn't yours and it wasn't the kids. Yeah. It, it was, it was his program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fascinating. And I, also kind of going back to my son Judah's thing when he was going through that of course I was having my own conflict Mm -hmm. with it Mm -hmm. and um the moment he healed the next day I kid you not I had like a complete allergy attack yeah my my entire body is just completely pouring out all kinds of junk and I was like and it was like one day Mm -hmm. and I thought of you and I was like that's really crazy Mm -hmm. you know like no one else around me was dealing with anything like that and I was just finally at peace with where he was and um so explain a little bit of the stink conflict because I think that's a common one it's very common I mean we see so much on the skin and we see so much with the nasal mucosa right these are very very common with not only ourselves but really with our children right Mm -hmm. so the stink conflict is interesting because it basically relates to this primal need. You know, our nose is so important to us. We need to be able to sniff out the danger that's Mm -hmm. coming, right? Mm -hmm. We need to be able to smell the smoke. We need to be able to smell the predator in the environment. We need to be able to like have a sense of Mm -hmm. what's going on in our environment so we can anticipate the danger that's coming. coming. Mm -hmm. So it can be a stink, which is like... (laughs) It, it, it's generally pretty mild, but it's like something that was like, we didn't see it coming. It was frustrating, irritating. The situation just really stunk. Mm-hmm. It can also be what's called like a scent conflict, which really it can oh, be wow. a fragrance or a smell um, that for whatever reason is triggering to you. Mm-hmm. I remember I had like something die in the wall. 
house. <laughs> and, you know, there was probably a mouse trapped in there. And, like, for two weeks, it just smelled terrible. And I had an absolute stink, like, scent conflict after that. <laughs> um, once it was, like, finally resolved. But um, what happens is the nasal mucosa will, there'll be tissue loss. So, again, it depends on the germ layer. So, germ layers behave differently. For some germ layers, the there's tissue um, loss in the conflict active phase, or there's tissue restoration, and then in the healing or loss of function, and then in the healing phase, there is you go in to fix whatever happened in the conflict active phase. So if there's a breakdown, there'll be growth, right? Mm -hmm. There's loss, there's growth. If there's mm -hmm. loss in the conflict active phase, then there's growth in the healing phase. So sorry, <laughs> that, no. was, that was a lot there. Yeah, but good. in the nasal mucosa, in the conflict active phase, there'll be a loss of tissue. And that's really to have more um, hypersensitivity mm -hmm. to smell in the conflict active phase. I need to better sniff out the danger. I have to sort of like, I did not see this coming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so clearly I need to heighten my senses so mm -hmm. I can be like better on alert here. Yeah. Um, and so then once it's resolved, you, your body goes to work for you on mm -hmm. your behalf to replenish the tissue cells that were lost in the conflict active phase. And our body does this all through, um, and this is the fourth biological law through microbes. Okay. Microbes are our friends. Yes. They are there to facilitate healing. Yes. But because they're present when we're healing, when we're having symptoms, they're present at the site where the uncomfortable thing is happening, we say that they're the cause. Mm. You know, whether mm -hmm. it, it's the fungus, candida, mycobacteria, uh -huh. tubercular bacteria, you know, we say like, oh no, you have an infection. Mm -hmm. right? There's no infection. Yeah. There is a job and a very important job that's being carried out with those microbes. Wow. So all tissue breakdown and all um, tissue restoration is done through these microbes in the body. Which goes back to like everything has a purpose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so this is why when you are in the healing phase of a stink conflict, or we might call this the common cold, uh -huh. you are having all this bacteria there to rebuild the ulceration that happened. And you have a lot of you know, um, stuffiness mm -hmm. and bacteria and your nose is starting to run because you're now eliminating those microbes that are no longer needed. Mm -hmm. You know, they're doing, they did their job, they rebuilt everything and now mm -hmm. it's time to flush them out. Wow. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I can stub my toe and then I'm like forgetting about it and it was unexpected danger. Sure. And then five minutes later, I have a big old sneeze. <laughs> that is the epicrisis of the stink conflict. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that through all this. Like, I feel like it heightens your consciousness mm -hmm. to what yeah. you're experiencing. Yeah. And it also, like, makes you go slower in your days. Mm -hmm. And when something does happen, logging it a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel like I tend to just stuff stuff down and yeah. then I have to go back and there's so many things that I've just trying to work through like gut issues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I don't even know, right. <laughs> you know, right. because I've spent so much of my life just like pushing negative feelings away, yeah. but it's also a way of just being like, gather them, take them in, yeah. you know, take note of really what's going on and what those root causes could be. Mm -hmm. Not because you might have a reaction, but just because we need more awareness yes. of what's going on in our bodies. And it's an invitation. It is. Yeah. And it's so beautiful in that way. And I just creates this whole new level of like, yeah, just being conscious and mm -hmm. aware and, um, 
supporting other people. Like I've had, you know, friends even that I try not to like, because I don't know too, because I don't know too much yet. I'm trying not to like mm-hmm. totally share um, things I don't really, I'm learning, you know, mm-hmm. but, and you're such a wealth of knowledge oh, with it all. You. So, but I will have friends experience <clears throat> things and it will lead me to ask a question. Yeah. And that's also beautiful because it opens up this connection and communication of, oh, I'm sorry. I hope you feel better. Instead, it's, are you going through something or did something happen recently that you're struggling with? And that's beautiful. Yeah. It brings us not only into deeper connection with ourselves, but into deeper connection with others. Yeah. You know, we can invite them. Yes. Back to drop into themselves as well. And another piece of that in, that I would love for you to explain is also when my son, just keep going back to this because this of felt course, so monumental yeah, and the timing yeah. of it was so good for me to have you to talk to, mm. but you were asking me, is it on the right side or the left side? Mm-hmm. And for him, it was on the right side. And then you explained to me how that all worked mm-hmm. too, because it's another way of really looking at it yeah. scientifically yes, and having a better understanding of the source mm-hmm. too. Yes. So depending on the germ layer, what we call laterality or handedness will matter or not matter. Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about endodermal tissues, um, laterality doesn't matter. Those are more of our morsel conflicts. And there is a right and left side significance to those endodermal programs, um, but it's different than the handedness that we look at when we're talking about um, the mesoderm or the ectoderm. So with the mesodermal and the ectodermal tissues, the, for a right-handed woman, the right side of the body is going to be concerned with her partner or her, her friends, her father, her other side. Okay. Anybody except for her mother child, which is encompassed by the left side of Mm -hmm. her body. And this has to do with the Um, cross-correlation of the brain and the significance of that. Um, And this is, you know, our left side is our female side and Mm -hmm. our right side is our male side. And then that will change based on your your handedness. Mm -hmm. And actually handedness is determined in utero. It's amazing. Yeah. It's not like you come out and you're kind of just willy nilly picking one. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that in my daughter because yeah. she's a lefty and I'm like, yeah. none of us are. And I'm yeah. like, that was so innate for her. Yes. She just, everything she did right. with her left hand. Yes. I mean, identical twins. It's really fascinating. One will be right-handed and one will be left-handed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so <laughs> anyway, we, when we're dealing with those, those particular germ layers, we can really investigate further, you know, mm-hmm. the meaning of this conflict when I'm having you know, a rash pop up right on. Mm -hmm. And did you say it was his right or his left? His right. Yeah. His right side. Mm -hmm. And he's right handed. Yes. Okay. So we know that this is not mother child for Mm -hmm. him. This is not related to a separation from you. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that this is a separation from something, someone else Mm -hmm. in his life. And so, you know, that's a beautiful way to kind of start this investigation. Yeah. And what a beautiful way for a mother to know like, okay, is it something I'm doing? Right. You know, and think about the implications of this for our pre-verbal children. Wow. Right. I mean, we're lucky because we have children that are, you know, getting to an age where they can express themselves and they Uh can tell us about what's going on sort of in their inner emotional world. But At one point, <laughs> we had infants and we had yeah. toddlers who mm-hmm. were not as expressive verbally. Oh my gosh. You know, yes. to see the eczema pop up, yeah. you know, on your baby 
is telling a story, mm-hmm. you know, to acknowledge that the GERD, right, the gastric reflux is meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, that it's telling a story, mm-hmm. to know that the ear infection is telling a story of yeah. a sound morsel, a hearing morsel that he, she did not want to or did yeah. want to hear, you know. This part always makes me emotional because, <laughs> yeah, it's like, so we, I think we both have talked about this, even, yeah, even in the womb baby's yeah. experience yes. and their birth story affects mm. a lot also. Yes. And I truly feel like I've seen that play out with my own kids. And yeah. there were even moments when I was pregnant, where I was like, it'll be interesting to see if this affects them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> like getting a little personal, my daughter and I experienced something really traumatic when mm-hmm. I was eight months pregnant. And that was something I very much kind of stayed in tune with, with yeah. her. And she, at five weeks old, um, wouldn't let anyone else hold her. She had major separation anxiety mm-hmm. and I took her to the pediatrician and she was like, it's impossible. Like there's, there's no way at her age she can have separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't believe you. <laughs> you know, I really think right. this is a my cause instincts and tell me better. Yes. Even to this day, she's very much attached to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I always go back to is mm-hmm. her experience even at, you know, in my, in my yeah. stomach and how that affected her. Yeah. Um, but even when they're babies, you know, and I think that babies experience so much and they're also very intuitive yes. and we don't really think about that. And I think that's where GNM is so fascinating. Yeah. GNM can really take us there. Yeah. And this also gets into the work of Gilbert Renault. So his, his thing is called recall healing. And he has taken Dr. Homer's work, he's taken the five biological laws, and he's expanded on it. So he really is looking at exactly what you're talking about. He is looking at the generational transmission of conflict shocks and how a child could carry a conflict that isn't theirs Uh because they're sort of taking it upon them to Mm. find resolution. And... And it, I mean, it goes into exactly what you're talking about. What happened in utero? What happened during conception? What Uh happened nine months before conception? All these really meaningful milestones that we can look back. Um, You know, my daughter also is dealing with a lot of separation anxiety and I am taking a deep dive there. And something that's interesting when I kind of look at Gilbert's work, my daughter's eight years old. My mother was abandoned, so Um, to speak, by her mother when she was eight years old. She was left. And then when I was eight years old, my mother left the home. My parents were divorced. It doesn't, I mean, I don't want to say my mother abandoned me, but I mean, yeah, on a psychic level, on a psychic level, it felt that way, right? You're leaving the family home. Yeah. And now my daughter is eight. And there's a piece of me that wonders, is that what she's carrying? Is she carrying that conflict that is coming up to the surface now to be addressed, to be healed? Hmm. Um, And when it comes to applying this wisdom to our children, especially for kids, I I mean, I think it's closer to 10, but they say for children seven and under, you always want to look to the mother first. What is it that the mother needs to heal? Yeah. What is it that the mother needs to look, 
to to really look at um, that the child is caring, mm. that the child is mirroring. Mm-hmm. And so I always start in that place. And yeah. again, <laughs> it's hard. I, I use this word <laughs> a lot, but it's it's an invitation. It's an invitation. Yeah. It's an invitation. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, I think, especially for me, someone that doesn't want to always go to the dark side, mm-hmm. the shadow side, it's the invitation of, yeah. well, I've chosen to put off this work for a while mm-hmm. and yeah, this child needs me to do the work. Yes. And, um, I even think about like my gut issues. I want to figure out the source because yeah. I don't want my children to carry that, you know, like maybe, right. maybe they're going to carry it because of all the things that go with that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, it's, it definitely is a constant mm. thing, right? That, mm-hmm. okay. I'm still experiencing this and yeah. nothing's healed it so far. So yeah. let's, let's really try to find the source of it or even right. just the pain. Like what, what perception did I have that maybe wasn't real, mm-hmm. but I perceived it that way. Or it could be something as small as just not feeling accepted and yeah, a can. small group of friends yeah. or who knows what part of your life mm-hmm. that triggered it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it can be a deep dive sometimes mm-hmm. too. An important question to ask is, when did the symptom come up? Mm-hmm. What was going on in my life during that time? Mm-hmm. And what did I possibly resolve? Mm. You know, what yeah. became less meaningful? Yeah. What had less of a hold on me? And often what will happen in throughout our life as well as we will have natural resolution because we go into different chapters of life. Mm. Something that felt so pressing, you know, as a teenager, we get into, you know, our late twenties and we get into more of adulthood and motherhood and those things just sort of fade away. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's a lot of questions to ask there, Mm -hmm. right? What was, what was going on during that time when you first noticed those symptoms? When does that first you know, stand out in your mind as something that was present for you and mm-hmm. what was going on in your life around that time and what could you have possibly resolved, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Can you explain what a um, hanging conflict is? Yes. Yeah. So sometimes we have, I should probably also define what a conflict is. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Because again, like I said, a, con- a, a traumatic event can be a conflict, but a conflict is not always a traumatic event. It can be stubbing your toe and then mm-hmm. your body runs a program and you have the stink conflict and you sneeze. So a conflict is an acute distressing event that we were not expecting. It caught us on the wrong foot. And there is this element of isolation. So in that moment, you felt completely on your own to deal with it. And I know this is a silly example, but like when I stub my toe, nobody else can fix that for me, mm-hmm. right? That is like all on me mm-hmm. to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like where that isolation piece comes from. Like you can be around other people mm-hmm. and feel really isolated in that moment when that conflict happens and be like, oh my gosh, like I, I, this is all on me to deal with. Yes. And then what happens is we resolve that conflict either fully or partially. And what we do is we resolve the acuity of it, right? It's no longer acute. It's, it's resolved in the fact that like whatever was coming into your environment um, is no longer present. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will resolve the isolation piece of it, right? So we go into resolution and we go into these phases of healing. But 
what happens is during the conflict, our body takes a snapshot on many levels. It takes a snapshot of our complete environment. It can take a snapshot of the time of day, the season, the pollen in the air. <laughs> it can take a snapshot of a smell, mm-hmm. anything. Like an event. A sound. Or, yeah. Um, a food. If it's someone's birthday yeah. or... A birthday. Yes, exactly. A meaningful event. Um, what what you may have been eating right in that moment. Uh-huh. And so it stores that information. Mm. So that when we come into contact potentially yeah. with those those become tracks, those Mm -hmm. get stored, and we become exposed to that track again, our body as an innate alert system will go, ding, 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 something could be happening Mm. here. And last time this happened, this wasn't good. (laughs) So we need to be on alert. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that will bring us into um, the symptom. Mm-hmm. Again, as we sort of, what we call is, we call them stepping on these tracks, mm. right? And we see that as like an allergy. Yeah. As an allergy mm-hmm. to seasonal allergy, uh-huh. to an anniversary, to a food, mm. right? It's not the dairy, mm-hmm. right? It's what happened mm-hmm. when you were having dairy, <laughs> what distressing event mm-hmm. happened when you were eating the gluten, you know, also, you know, we can get, that's a whole other podcast, right? But yes. we could get into the beliefs that Which we create around food too, you know, for yeah. every thought you think your body is busy making it true. Yes. I didn't have any issues with gluten and dairy until the nutritional world told me that I should stop eating gluten and dairy. Yeah. Then all of a sudden I couldn't tolerate gluten and dairy. And I'm like, well, that's strange. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I had to kind of <laughs> mm-hmm. unpeel that onion. But so a hanging healing means that we are constantly stepping on the track. We are getting re-exposed again to these tracks and triggers that bring us back into the original conflict. Okay. And so it requires radical responsibility on our part to Mm -hmm. say, okay, what is the conflict? Identifying these tracks and triggers, you know, what is going on in my environment when this symptom is coming up again? Uh Uh-huh. And what practical changes do I need to make? And what transcendent changes do I need to make? So Mm -hmm. how am I changing my perception? And how am I making some real changes Mm -hmm. in my life? Mm -hmm. You know? Wow. And if we cannot break those cycles, then our body just keeps running the program over and over and over again. Yeah. And that's when we get into things like autoimmunity, Mm -hmm. right? This is not a real thing, autoimmunity. Mm -hmm. It's just this program running over and over and over again. And then it snowballs because then we start to get into um, labels and diagnoses, right? And once you own a diagnosis, the diagnosis is going to own you. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, some, you know, Hashimoto's, oh, you have Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. right? Sorry. Yeah. We don't know why your thyroid yeah. is hypofunctioning, but it is, you know, wow. oh, you have lupus. Sorry. We don't know why. Maybe it's the bad gene. Uh-huh. You know, maybe in the integrative world, it's the toxin. Your immune system is compromised. You know, 
the conventional world and the integrative world can be two sides of the same coin in the sense that they mm -hmm. are looking for external causes. Yes. Right? So yes. on the one hand, it's the bad gene, the bad germ, and sorry, we just don't know why it's the bad luck. Mm. Right? And then in the integrative world, it's it's all those things plus the bad toxin. Yeah. With the bad food, the bad pesticide, the bad, 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 bad. Yeah. <laughs> right? And yeah. so the hanging healings that go on for a long time get exacerbated by our beliefs, our conditioning, mm -hmm. our buying into the diagnosis, buying into the fact that, you know, we're told that there's nothing really that it can, you know, that can be done. Yeah. Um, and we just take it on and we yeah. live that, we live that story. Mm -hmm. But when we find GNM and we're really able to embrace it and embody it, we can break that cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really believe with all my heart that there is, if you catch it early enough, there's nothing that is irreversible, mm. you know? Yeah. Nothing. That's beautiful. So much to cover. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's a whole other piece of genome too, which is constellation, okay. which is not just what happens on a, well, it's still happening on a tissue level and uh -huh. it's giving us physical symptoms, but it's how we explain mental health. You know, oh, it's how we explain anxiety, depression, wow. bipolar, manic depression, right? All of these are adaptations. Yeah, I think we need to do another part two. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because yes. it's all, um, especially just in today's world, I think every time someone has a symptom, they will go to all the lengths of degree to fix mm -hmm. it or... Um, there's so there's we're so inundated with information mm -hmm. that it's it's just so freeing yeah. to think okay step one mm -hmm. is I need to figure out the source yeah. of this mm -hmm. and um, look into myself my experiences my story what's going on that I haven't processed and I just. I think everyone in their heart knows that how important that is. You know, yeah. this just brings so much even scientific yes. term to yes. it of how important it is. Um, so, yeah, I'm so grateful for you for being so open to share because yeah. I think people can so quickly be skeptical mm -hmm. of it. It does seem woo-woo, and but there's, I mean, when you go to the Learning GNM site, mm -hmm. it is science to the <laughs> nth degree. Like, there right. are words on there. I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah. And But... There is something to back up every, mm -hmm. every ailment on there. And mm -hmm. it's so fascinating. Right. Um, even like down to fractures and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> there just... are three exceptions okay. to GNM that are worth mentioning. Okay. So the first exception would be poisoning, mm -hmm. right? If you go and drink the bottle of bleach, <laughs> yes. you are not having a conflict. <laughs> well, you might have a conflict shock by having done that. Yes. Um, but no, you, you're poisoned at that point. Yeah. Um, Injury, accident, right? Mm -hmm. You get into a car accident. However, yeah. there is that issue with the skeletal system and the bone that tells us that if there is a pre-existing conflict there, and mm. perhaps a, that stems from a self-devaluation conflict that affects the bone, that there's a there's a compromised part of that bone that might mm. be in a healing phase. And so if you sort of had a minor accident, but you broke a bone and it seems so strange to you that... Huh the injury was that severe, there's a good chance that there was a pre-existing hmm. healing going on there. However, mm -hmm. for the most part, 
if you get into an accident, that is not a conflict shock, right? Mm -hmm. And then the third one, which is where people who are sort of like riding the fence with GNM and the holistic world really kind of want to take liberties, and that's with the severe malnutrition. Okay. They also, there's a lot of liberties taken with the poison thing too, because it's like, what constitutes a poison? Sure. You know, is the pesticide a poison? Is, sure. You know, are these things that we're eating poisons? Is the the shot a poison, yeah, right? But sure. really, <sighs> trace amounts are not what would constitute a poison. Mm-hmm. Now, do we want these things in our body? Are right. they good for us? Do we want to maximize healing and give our bodies everything it can, you know, it wants and needs during healing phases of, you know, of course, mm-hmm. but from what we learn in GNM, it has to be this, the program has to be preceded by conflict shock. Mm-hmm. And then you support the body with nutrition and minimizing yeah. toxins and things like that in yeah. the healing phase. But then there's this issue of um, the third exception being severe malnutrition. And I mean, we're talking about starving children, mm-hmm. starving people, you know, mm-hmm. people that are really not having their basic needs met. Yes. Not so many of us who went to naturopathic practitioners and they're like, your magnesium's low and your, you mm-hmm. know, vitamin D, you need a little more of that. Or, okay. you know, it, it's, it's severe. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, you know, nutrition is important. Taking good care of yourself is important. It's an act of love. Yes. Right. Yeah. So support yourself during healing phases, mm-hmm. but that is not the focus of GNM. Yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Sure. Like this one thing isn't the answer yeah. to your healing. It might yes. that diet is might not going help to be the, the symptoms. <laughs> yes, it might. But it's yeah. going to return most likely. Yes. It's kind of what I've witnessed in my own path is just trying new things and yeah, mm-hmm. I might feel really good for a while, but those symptoms inevitably come back. Yeah. I'm not really going to the root cause of it. Right. And if we don't know GNM, then we sort of just jump onto the next thing that could be causing it. Right. Yeah. And unfortunately we see people spending thousands of dollars Uh and, you know, doing all sorts of things to their homes and yeah. Yeah. Living in fear. The fear is the big piece. I think it's huge. Um, Fear is, sorry, I don't mean that. No, no, I'm just thinking of all that. But the fear, yeah, especially if you're instilling that fear in other people around you and speaking the story of fear of everything harming. And Mm. yeah, I just, I felt so much freedom. And okay, if I miss something or if I do something (laughs) that Mm -hmm. might harm me that I'm not aware of, Mm -hmm. and my body can handle this. My body knows how to to fight it and how to heal and how to overcome um, <clears throat> things that aren't meant for it. And that's just a beautiful way to live, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think back to eating. I think I was eating like six foods on the carnivore diet oh my for like a year. <laughs> you know, meat, yeah. eggs, bacon. Sure. <laughs> and, you know, some melon, <clears throat> <and laughs> some squash, because those weren't considered toxic to the carnivore wow. world, you know. Yeah. And now I eat anything that mm-hmm. I want. You know, and mm-hmm. I don't deny myself anything. Mm. And uh, there is one piece of sort of nutritional advice that Dr. Homer did emphasize, and that okay. would be to make sure in the healing phase, especially with um, like the morsel programs, the digestive stuff, that you're eating enough protein. 
mm. in the healing phase. Okay. Um, but even Dr. Homer was a vegetarian. Hmm. But when he went through healings, he would incorporate animal hmm. protein. So that's very fascinating because mm-hmm. you even hear of people that they don't want it all the time, but there are times where they really crave it. Yes. And I think the craving piece is also a big thing to listen yeah. to. Yes. What does my body want right now? It's that intuitive yes. part of your brain. That's that is like, the question I that I have this. my children ask themselves all the time. Uh-huh. You know, so you were asking about how does this inform my parenting, uh-huh. right? I mean, not only have I wanted, you know, I'm trying to foster an environment where they are trusting their bodies. Yeah. They're also, we don't just homeschool, we unschool. And mm-hmm. unschooling is not so much an educational approach as a, is a lifestyle approach. Mm-hmm. So my children choose what they want to eat. They eat when they want to eat. They go to the bathroom when they want to go to the bathroom. They go to sleep within reason when they want to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. They really have a lot of control over their bodies, over the flow of their day, the rhythm of their day. Because mm-hmm. what I've learned through GNM is that so many of our conflicts come from not honoring what is in alignment for us and mm-hmm. being so disconnected from our bodies. Mm-hmm. From the time we are young, mm-hmm. you know, we go into school and it's this kind of systematic disconnection from self mm-hmm. right we're told when to speak when not to speak raise the hand when I can go to the bathroom what I can play with what I can't play with you know all these yeah. things are like taking us away from this deep connection with self yes and so the last two years in my family has really been about how do I maintain this environment where my children can remain in deep connection with themselves mm-hmm. you know what are you hungry for? You know, I'm mm-hmm. not making these big from scratch elaborate dinners anymore <laughs> and like forcing everybody to sit down and, mm-hmm. you know, eat. The, I used to be like, if you eat this first, then you can have that. Yes. Right. It's like, well, but their body is saying I need that sugar or I need that carb or I need that salt right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a lot of trial and error, but sure. the essence of it is to really stay connected. I love that. With self. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I think if they are connected from a very young age, maybe they'll be able to... It just becomes natural. Yeah, understand a lot more about themselves than we're trying to, like, go back Yes, and not to be people pleasers, right? Absolutely. So not only being connected with themselves and how they want to eat and spend their day, but what are their boundaries, Mm -hmm. you know? What is Mm -hmm. it like to not have to be the good girl Mm -hmm. and say yes to things that you don't want to do? Yeah. You know, so many conflicts come from doing things we don't want to do, being in places we don't want to be in, being with people we don't want to be with, Yeah, you know, because we don't know how to say no and we don't want to disappoint and we have to be the good girl or the good boy. You know, Mm -hmm. this is part of our conditioning. So, yeah, (laughs) I love that. Yeah, G&M just encompasses all of that. Yeah. You know, absolutely makes so much sense. Yeah. So for someone that is absorbing all of this for the first time, <laughs> yes. but wants to kind of do their own deep dive mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe they heard us say something and they want to know more about yeah. something specifically, what would you recommend for them? What resource? I would first, I want to say not to get intimidated by the amount of knowledge that one could learn through GNM. Yeah. Of course you can learn you know, about the germ layers and you can learn about, um, you know, all of the psyche brain organ relays, but you don't need to do that in order to have this wisdom. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we have to think about what is biological. Is it biological for us to be able to read CT scans? Is it biological for us to know the three germ layers? <laughs> you know? Right. Is that really what is required of us to understand this wisdom? And the answer is no. Mm -hmm. So what is required of us, which is something that is innately available to all of us, is just to cultivate a deeper connection with ourselves, first and foremost. Uh -huh. So, you know, we've talked about a lot, but let's not get too intimidated or, you know, lost in sort of the biological, you know, details of it. Yes. However, um, our greatest resource to the English speaking world, unfortunately, you know, Dr. Hammer was a German speaking man and the books that he wrote, many of them are, have not been translated and not been printed mm -hmm. <laughs> anymore. So, <coughs> excuse me. Having a little yeah, frog in my okay. throat. Little. I'm probably having a resolution. <laughs> yes. Phase of, <laughs> right, the, <laughs> the throat. <laughs> a speechlessness conflict because yeah. I was like, oh, I'm going to come on today. Yeah, so while... And I'm going to have to think about all the things I want to say and am I, I going to say it right, right? I'm so grateful. And as we're getting into the end, yeah. I'm going into the resolution phase yeah. <laughs> of having think said a lot of the things that I had hoped to say. Good. So, well, feel yeah. free to take a drink of water because yes. <laughs> um, when you walked in and we um, were just chatting before we started... I was like, okay, Annie, yesterday I woke up and I just like broke out in hives, which <laughs> yes. never happens. And right. then today I woke up and my lips were swollen. Yes. Non-injectable lips. Non-injectable. Non <laughs> lips. And my eyelid was swollen. And I yes. was like, okay, is that just telling me, you know, that I'm resolving something yes. that is a deep fear of mine or something mm -hmm. I've been trying to like process or. Yes. Well, anytime, again, that we have the swelling, mm -hmm. it is an indication that we are having a, we're, our body is holding water. And so whatever tissues are in healing, that water that we hold due to fear, mm -hmm. um, specifically it's an existence abandonment or refugee conflict. Mm. And our body will hold water and that added fluid will go to whatever tissues in the body are in healing. And so truly fear complicates all healing mm -hmm. because with that added edema there's always a little bit of edema with every healing phase in the brain that's why mm -hmm. you get the headache when you're in healing mm -hmm. um and on a tissue level but typically that's imperceptible mm -hmm. with the exception of having like the headache mm -hmm. but if you are really in an active existence conflict meaning like will I be okay <laughs> you know is this <laughs> which I have okay? a deep fear of public speaking yeah there so you go like, and it really brings okay. this fear around just like your basic existence it's terrifying right? it is yes your body will hold that water and so it would be interesting to explore deep more deeply why mm -hmm. there were healing tissues with the eye mm, yeah. and with the mouth yeah. I would say <clears throat> we're talking about the outer skin layer. So we're talking about separation conflict. Hmm. Yeah. We're going to deep dive into that's that. For you to, that's, <laughs> that's for us to explore. Exactly. Sure. Um, but yes, if you want to learn more about GNM, um, learninggnm.com. It's not the official website of Dr. Hammer and German New Medicine, but it is the greatest resource that we have hmm. for the English-speaking world. And what I like to recommend is you can go to um, the index 
and that's sort of from a drop-down menu. Okay. And you will want to work backwards from your symptom or your diagnosis. Okay. And then you'll <clears throat> you'll click on that, and you'll want to understand. There'll be three pieces of information it's going to give you. You might have to scroll a little bit if it's embedded in a conversation on something else. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it's going to give you the biological function. Why why does your body do this on your behalf? Mm -hmm. And then it's going to give you the symptoms you can anticipate and what's happening in the conflict active phase. And then it's going to explain what's going on in the healing phase. And that's most often what people identify as when their symptoms are happening. There are some symptoms that happen in conflict active phases, but for the most part, when we talk about like dis-ease states, we're talking about a healing phase. Mm -hmm. And so that's going to give you a lot of insight to start exploring, to start playing with like, okay, what was the conflict related to this? What's happening in the conflict active phase and what's happening in the healing phase? And does this match up with my experience? Another great place to start is on YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Melissa Sell, S-E-L-L. -L, okay. She has a YouTube channel. And under her playlist, you'll see tutorial videos. Hmm. And a fantastic video to start with is GNM 101. Okay. And she great. is going to kind of recap a lot of what we said here. Mm -hmm. But she's going to explain <clears throat> the five biological laws. She's going to explain the two phases of healing. Um, and that's just a wonderful place to start. And then under those tutorial videos, she has a lot of other wonderful videos on the thyroid, on breast cancer, on skin issues, eczema, digestive issues. Um, it's a wonderful place to start. So I will give you um, the links and resources to Perfect. all those things. There's a Facebook group that I highly recommend. Um, and I will also give you that link, but it's a place that you can go. You can ask questions. You can say, hey, Neil, what is the biological conflict for this particular symptom? And he is brilliant. Hmm. I mean, really, really brilliant. He can read CT scans. Um, he has a deep understanding of the biology. So hmm. um, also there is a little book by Dr. Catherine Willow called German New Medicine. Okay. <laughs> you can perfect. buy it on Amazon. It's a tiny little, it's a quick read okay. and it's a wonderful introduction. If you already know about Gina, maybe it's something you'd want to give to somebody else that you think is going through something mm -hmm. that might be um, willing to embrace this paradigm. And then there is another book out that was recently released by Danny Carroll and it's called Terminal Cancer as a Misdiagnosis. Hmm. And it is also on audiobook. I listened to the audiobook in an hour and a half. It's mm. super short, um, but it is a wonderful like recap of why you know cancer is not this you know cancer scourge that we have made it yeah. to be. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Those are, those are some good places to start. There's a lot of programs too. Okay. You know, Dr. Melissa Sell has um, several programs that she offers. Um, one of my mentors that I'm studying with also, Catherine Hausch, has the autoimmune resolution program. And um, you can either join that as a patient and try to work through your symptoms, or you can join it to become a coach of okay. GNM, which is, I'm actually in her program. And then I'm also working with Dr. Melissa Sell on Monday. She has a, a, um, a live, live class called the Law of Adaptation. That's awesome. So 
yeah, it's there's, abundant there's a resources. Lot, there's abundant which is great. resources. Really, well, there are. Um, we will also link all of these in the show notes too. So, and then what if people want to contact or just yeah. have a you know look into your life? How do yes. they contact you? So you can find me on Instagram. My name is Annie Heatley. H E A T L Y. Um, I go through periods of being active and not active on there, but feel free to send me a DM and connect. I am, I love talking all things Gina. Yes. So, um, yeah, I will try to get back to you as soon as I can if yeah. I don't respond right away. Um, but yeah, you can reach me there and maybe in time I will be coaching, but not currently because I am a in a deep season of mothering. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, maybe we'll yeah. have to have a part two. Yes. Um, of this as well as people kind of be come introduced to it. Yeah, wonderful. Um, well, you are such a wealth of knowledge and I have always just been so grateful for your openness to mm-hmm. share and take the time because it's a lot to share and you're so gifted in explaining it. Thank you. And that is just, I just received that with so much gratitude because I'm so thankful for you and um, grateful that you've answered the call to share it with others. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me on your beautiful platform and hopefully we've reached some hearts and minds today. Yes, yes. Well, it's been an honor. Thank you.